Welcome to the Brains Magazine podcast, a podcast with in-depth interviews and conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, expert coaches, industry leaders, and international celebrities. Get exclusive insight into the world of business, mindset, leadership, and lifestyle with your host, Mark Sefton. Welcome to this next episode of the Brains Magazine podcast. And as we enter 2022, I've been joined by Jennifer Flynn. Jennifer is the balance maven. Jennifer is the intuitive guidance for strategized businesses. And I'm really looking forward to today. Jennifer, how are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, I know it's nice and early for you over in the States. And, and for me, it's middle of the afternoon. So uh, I'll, I'll go gentle on you as we uh, proceed over the next 30 minutes or so. Well, no worries. I do have children and they never go gentle on me. So I'm, I'm prepared for whatever you have to offer. <laughs> well, let's see. Let's see if we see one of them far out into the living room before the end of uh, the session. No, I, I set them out the door. They would have been disruptive. Yeah, I know that gig for sure. I, I, I <laughs> always try and do these podcasts away from my own children as well. Did you have a good Christmas? We had a great Christmas. It was a quiet Christmas, but I find those to be the best kind. Often, yeah, that's very true. All right, let's uh, dive straight in then, Jennifer. I know that you work a lot with intuition. I would love for you to define for us what is intuition to you and, and how do we better understand and utilize it for ourselves? Yeah, you know, it's a question I get asked often. And, and I think I love your distinction. I think it's always important to recognize, you know, if I'm defining intuition, that's intuition to me, but it can be a very broad definition. And for me, um, it's kind of a combination of things. I have uh, the good fortune of having kind of an omnipresent intuitive gift that comes in the form of what people kind of, my clients like to call the clairs, which are different clair, um, clair what I would call clair sites, but clair audience, clair sentience, clair cognizance, um, those kind of things where like, Sometimes I just get information intuitively in the different forms of kind of seeing it, hearing it, feeling it, knowing it. And um, for me, the definition of that really comes from just connecting with our higher guidance. And, you know, people define that in many ways. For some people, it might be God, source, and you know, intuition, universe, spirit. I try not to get too wrapped up in the labels of it. I think we all experience it on different levels. For me, it comes in those forms. And my, like I said, my client, clients like to call it the clairs. And um, I just have this ability to kind of tap into the higher self of my clients and hear and feel and see and know the things that they're not able to necessarily grasp or put into words, but they kind of can get the edges of. And I get to bring that to life for them in a multitude of ways where it's accessible to them and it can help them use it in their business. I think it's important because, you know, especially as entrepreneurs, at least the entrepreneurs that I am called to work with, who are more of the service-based entrepreneurs, people are often answering a calling or mm. they're led to do what they do in some way. So it's really important to be aligned with that calling in your business and operate from a place of strategy that's 
tuned into that experience so that they're not pushing the river, but being able to go more with the flow and spend most of their time in purpose on purpose. Do you see intuition as a gift? Like, do you find that this is a gift that you have? And, and where do you think that that's come from? Well, I mean, I'll say it kind of tongue in cheek. Sometimes it's a gift. Sometimes it's a curse. Um, sometimes knowing things or feeling things or sensing things. Um, it's a lot to, to have on deck all the time. And you do have to learn to, I guess, manage it to some degree. Like, um, otherwise if you're in a crowd or you're in a place where you're not really paying attention to it, like you can get drained out very quickly because you're getting a lot of information. As for where it comes from, I suppose that's subject to interpretation. Um, you know, for me, I would say that, you know, we all have an element of collective consciousness where we're kind of tuned into one another, whether we're consciously aware of that or not, we're all connected. And some of us just have a little bit easier connection with that. Um, it's a tremendous gift with, you know, with my clients and certainly as a mother or just as a fellow human being to be able to tune into those around me and, um, sense things in a way that I can be more supportive or I can better understand what's behind somebody's motives. Like if somebody's having a bad day, like I can tell that it's not personal to me, but somebody's struggling or suffering and it gives me an opportunity for greater compassion and empathy. Um, but sometimes it's, it's a lot and, um, you know, I have to be aware of my own energy and, and how to conserve that. Um, for me, there's a, there's a very clear balance, you know, no mistake in the name of my company, uh, between the soul side of that, the intuitive side of that and the strategic side of it. I'm, you know, I'm a heavy thinker and a heavy feeler. So I do try to utilize both of those gifts equally and not tip the scale too much in one direction or another to help maintain that balance. So it doesn't become overwhelming. Mm. Yeah. It's fascinating. I think the, the gifts that we just innately organically have and the ones that we cultivate over time and and then the ones that people see in us that we may not see in ourselves. and you know you're saying your clients you know talk about the clairs and stuff and that's something from the outside fed into you and I think at the start when we we're talking about defining words you know for me that's really important that we each define everything you know we define what success is we define what the life that it is that we want to live, we define our own values. Uh, and that's so important, isn't it? Because we can we can lose ourselves in trying to please other people. I love what you said. And I couldn't agree more. I, I'm a big fan of, I'm very deliberate with my words. And I'm very intentional with the words that I choose, whether I'm writing or speaking. And I get teased a lot that I have an expanded lexicon where people are like, well, there's a big word or did you make that word up and it's because i do think that you know thoughts become things and the path on their way out to becoming things is often our words and our intention and so i do think it's important to define things and i think it is important to be to have clarity and clarity comes through that definition and when you think about really being clear on what does success mean to you, what does happiness and fulfillment mean to you, if we don't first define what our clarity is of desire, you know, what is it that we want, then it becomes very difficult to define the actions and the strategies that bring that to life. Mm, so true. Now, we said that you're the balance maven. So Jennifer, why do you believe so many 
entrepreneurs are out of balance? Well, I think that we have a tendency to be incredibly driven and high achievers. And uh, I, I believe that that drive comes from within and can often, you know, a weakness is nothing more than an overblown strength. And so when we take something that we're really great at and we give it too much power, it can become an Achilles heel. And when we're driven and we're high achievers and we have a calling on the planet that we feel pulled to fulfill, it's really easy to get very caught up in the achievement of that or the um, fulfillment of the calling or the answering of the calling. And, you know, we can step or slip very quickly into being overdoing mm -hmm. and becoming a human doing instead of a human being. And I think that if we want to really fulfill our call and stand in our truth and come here to do what we were supposed to do, we do have to be very present with that soulful side of ourselves, that higher self, that spiritual self, whether that's through, you know, a faith-based thing or, or something more etheric. We do have to have the, both of those components because your doing is fueled by your being. Yeah. I've never heard anybody say that weakness is really overblown strength. So that one kind of stuck out for me. I'm, I'm going to ponder that one. I'm sure other people will as well. <laughs> do you find it to be true like i said i need to pon i want to ponder that one because it kind of i like it because it's i've not heard it before and that, it stuck out so i'm gonna ruminate on it and yeah i need sometimes when i hear things i think yes that's yeah that's so on the vibe and sometimes it's like hits you between the eyes and then mm -hmm. other other times it's like i want to chew on it for a little bit so i want to chew on that one so i I, I'm not reactive out of whether I think it's true or not. I, I just, I'm going to, I've wrote it down because it, it stood out for me. I'll be anxious to hear what you come up with. I think, you know, when we think about, I like to approach things with clients always from a place of their strengths. And I do assessments to help them understand how they're naturally wired to take action. And I do believe that we have the best success when we utilize their strengths instead of trying to turn weaknesses into strengths mm -hmm. or polish things we're not great at. I would much rather see my clients approaching life from what they're good at, how they're naturally wired and utilizing strategies that operate from that place. And I do think really everything in our life is a gift and a strength. It's just about you know where its attention is. Mm. yeah i totally agree with like you know sharpening your own sword and for mm -hmm. me you only have to be good at one thing uh in life and that's really where i focus a lot of my own energy and you know people say mark why are you so confident well it's really simple i do the things i love i do the things i'm good at uh, and the things i don't love or all the things i'm not good at i don't tend to to mess with them i let other people do it so uh i agree with that definitely that that thought process what are, what are a couple of strategies you introduce to help tip the scales in the favor of the entrepreneur? We've talked a little bit about why uh, high achievers and, and driven sometimes maybe get lost in the detail, but what are a couple of strategies you could maybe share with us to help us tip the scale in our favor? Well, I think, you know, I've created this proprietary process. I call it the balance blueprint, and there are seven steps in it that, if we can master those things, um, it, it's a great start. And I do believe it, be it begins with the internal side of things rather than the external landscape because we have to have that state of being before we can have the state of doing. So um, 
these seven steps, I'll just kind of outline them very quickly. It's actually a, also an acronym for balance. But if we take two to three, three minutes each day and we evaluate how we're doing in each of those areas, I find that to be a really great um, place to begin because if we can first diagnose where we're not feeling um, in our power, then we can take actions that align with that and make sense for us. And we're not just throwing spaghetti at the wall, hoping something sticks. Mm. So first thing is boundaries. You know, where am I saying yes, when I mean no and assessing really, what do I want? Like what we talked about a little bit earlier, being clear in our intention, clear in our desire, um, clear in what our definitions are for a happy and healthy and fulfilled life. And then looking at what are we doing in our actions are, you know, how are we leveraging what we have in front of us? What are the logistics around the way we're doing what we do? And then making sure that we're very aligned with our mission and our purpose in our actions. And then narrative being, you know, what are the stories that we're telling? You know, what is the dialogue that we're having with ourselves, but also um, tying into the next one, which is community. What is the dialogue that we're having with other people or hearing from other people in terms of our stories? Mm -hmm. And then the last one being embody. How are we embodying what our priorities are, what we say that we desire? You know, how are we being um, in action around that and living it every day? And if we can look at those seven things um, and just ask ourselves some questions, it's usually a really great place to start with what do I need to do next and how do I need to do it? Mm. Well, we're very similar, I think, in in the in the mindfulness and the consciousness of how we live. Uh, loved, uh, you know, the the words using the acronym of, of balance, uh, aligned, intentional, narrative, community. These are words that, you know, at the core of my essence. So that that was very pleasing and really could relate to a lot of the wealth there that you shared. So, so thank you for, for that, Jennifer. Are you, are you noticing some common and maybe some repeated imbalances uh, in the hearts of entrepreneurs? Do you find that there's some common denominators? I do. And I think it does stem from our heart of service in a lot of ways. And whether some of these things are, you know, generational beliefs or societal beliefs or, things we just came into the world with, I do notice some themes um, in terms of belief in oneself. And despite the fact that, you know, we're called to do something bigger, there's always this deep humility of, you know, I'm not unique and special. And I've struggled with it myself. So I, I understand it, not just mm. from a from a place of coaching others, but, you know, how do you lead somebody on a journey you yourself have never been on? So mm -hmm. I've certainly been there, um, but, you know, knowing that you're worthy of the call and feeling like imposter syndrome sometimes of like, who am I to do this work? And, um, you know, my question is always, who are you not to, but I would say big things on the internal landscape is we're called to do this thing, but question our worthiness to do it or our, um, our specialness or our qualification. And, you know, they say it's not the qualified who get called, it's the called who get qualified. Mm -hmm. So reminding people that you're on a journey of being qualified for your calling, and that's what makes you uniquely qualified mm -hmm. um, to do it. But also, I would say visibility, 
you know, being seen and um, showing up bigger in the world, taking up more space than you might be accustomed to probably as a direct response to the humility. Mm -hmm. I mean, those would be kind of the big ones I see underlying. Um, and I would say one other thing that would stand out to me more on the strategy versus soul side is the idea that, you know, I just want to do the thing that I'm called to do and struggling with the business aspect of it and the strategy mm -hmm. aspect of it and all the things like I hear a lot of times people are like, I'm not a business owner. Like I'm not good at the business side of the, of the business. I just want to show up and serve the people. And the reality is we do have to be good at the business side or there are no people to serve or the sustainability of our efforts becomes uh, called into question. Mm. Yes, very, very true. And I love the insight that you have there. I always say that, you know, for me, none of us can lead anybody from a place we haven't been ourselves before. Uh, I often find that the content that I create or the value that I then give back to others always comes through my own suffering, journey, challenge, discovery, revelation, you know. Absolutely. And I think it's often how we arrive doing what we're doing. And, you know, when my early years, when I was getting my coaching credentials, you know, they, they would always tell you, you got a niche to be rich. I hated that phrase. And it, I'd had such deep resistance to niching because of that phrase, because it wasn't about the money side of things for me. It was about making the difference. And, um, you know, they kept trying to corral me into one area of serving and I, I was struggling with it so deeply. And my mentor coach said something very profound to me, or it's the thing that like led me to the, to the place of where I am now. And she's like, coach your leading edge, what you're going to, you know, be the expert in is the thing you yourself struggled with because nobody knows that struggle better than you. And so I bounced along for a couple of years after that, coaching a very broad, um, range of people and being frustrated in my marketing because it wasn't a, as attractive as I'd have liked it. And it's because I was talk I was casting too broad of a net. I was talking mm -hmm. to too broad of a focus of people that couldn't understand that I was talking to them. And when I narrowed the focus to, you know, and I think the reason why that was, I had to get to the other side of where I was currently mm -hmm. to be able to see that that was my leading edge. And that's really where the balance aspect of what I do came into play. Mm, love it. How, how did your balance expertise, you know, come about and formalize as a strategy to help others? Because, you know, we're talking about how we go through things and that tends to be then what we serve and give to others. But how, how did that come about for you? Well, I think like many of us, the rapid oscillation of my life, <laughs> um, you know, I would, I, I'm a mother of three and, um, at the time I was married and I was working in a corporate job that had a lot of responsibility. And I was also on the side, um, business consulting for a firm. And so I had tipped my own scales out of balance with being overcommitted and mm -hmm. over obligated. And I had a very full plate. And I was one who, as a recovering perfectionist, always had a million plates spinning. And if one fell and broke, I was quick to sweep it up and get another one spinning before anyone noticed. So everyone saw me as the doer of all things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being ultra capable, what, what my girlfriends and I like to call the curse of competence. <laughs> and um, it got to the breaking point, quite simply, to where there could not be another spinning plate. And... The plates kind of started crashing and nobody on the outside really saw it, 
but I saw it and it created a tremendous amount of anxiety within me, I think largely around the perfectionism and at the mm -hmm. time, the persona of what will people think. Mm -hmm. And uh, because I had built this, this persona that people looked in and saw, and I felt my own obligation to live up to it. And the reality was it was very unhealthy and my, my relationships suffered, you know, children, spouse, friends, um, and I suffered. Mm -hmm. And so it really just, I kind of had the realization one day that when you're driving to work every single day and you're crying on the way in and at lunch and on the way home and you're hiding in your own life, your own misery, something has to change. And like, like everyone, I hit my tipping point with it and realized that happiness was the goal. It wasn't about who I was seen as or being busy or being perfect. Happiness was the goal. So kind of like you, I had to get to the place of what's my zone of genius? What am I really great at? What do I love to do and could do all day long for free, but would love to get paid for it? Mm. And when I had that clarity, the how kind of found its way. Mm. I love how that happens. Jennifer, do you have like a philosophy that you embrace when it comes to working with your clients? You know, I would say I have a couple of philosophies. I would say the biggest thing is, you know, over over time, what I've come up with is, you know, nine elements that really make a business flourish and that honor the entrepreneur within it. And so I have something I call the intuitive business atlas and there's nine elements to that. But within that, there's also um, one of those elements is, um, you know, mission, which I would also kind of put vision in with that same thing. And it's, you know, about being clear on what we do on the planet and what we want to offer. And within that, I have something called the Maven Manifesto, which is, you know, basically um, seven things or that are like precepts that I live by. So it's kind of a code of conduct or a series of beliefs that I think if I stay rooted in those, they really honor who I am, but also my calling on the planet. So kind of two things between those nine elements of the business atlas, but also maybe on a deeper level from a place of what my vision and mission are having that manifesto back to what we said about really being clear. Mm. I think it's important to live by your priorities. And if you don't know what those are, then you don't engineer strategies to live by them. Mm. You love the, you love the number seven, I think. And I know that seven stands I for do. perfection, but you, you love us. You love number seven. It stands, it, it always stands out for me. And I, it's such a funny thing. And I'm not consciously aware of, of loving the number seven, but it does show up a lot for me. And even in my pricing with my clients, like everything is like, it's like a 97. There's a seven at the end of it. And I do just like the ring of seven. <laughs> yeah, I like seven, seven and three are always like the two numbers that I gravitate toward. It's interesting how, how numbers I like odd numbers you know. too. Like if I've got processes or steps, they always tend to be in an odd end on the odd number, never an even. Yeah. You can't, you can't contain me. You can't define me. You yeah. Have, yeah. Rebel. I get that. As it, as we enter 2022, Jennifer, what, what's a couple of questions that we should really be asking ourselves as we, as we move into the new year based on your own experience? I'm a big fan of review only long enough to look back and see how far you've come or get clarity on where you want to go that you didn't get to arrive at. 
So I would say, you know, the first thing would be looking back at the year that was and asking yourself, um, I have some questions within the questions. So, you know, what looking in, in review of the, of the previous year, what worked, what didn't work? If I could do it over, what would I do? just evaluate where you've been, not from a place of judgment. Like I always tell people, don't pick up the shame shovel. This is purely a diagnostic tool and data, but we have to know where we've been and uh, in order to be clear about where we want to go. And not from a place of living in the past, but just getting the learning. I think it's really important to get the learning because if we don't get the learning, we tend to repeat things. The universe likes to make sure that we've learned our lessons. And if we haven't, it will continually give us opportunities to learn that lesson. So I like to demonstrate mastery to the universe and say, I got it. I don't need to repeat this one. Um, I'm ready for the next, you know, the next brick in my yellow brick road in terms of challenges or opportunities. And so I do think taking some time to review and evaluate is important. And then the next question I think we really need to ask ourselves is where do I want to go? You know, what, what is it that I would like to achieve this year that's aligned with who I want to be and what I want to do on the planet and staying in my zone of genius? How do I want to feel? Like, I think the defining part of that clarity is not as much what I want to do, but how do I want to feel this year mm. and what things allow me to feel that way and making sure that we have goals aligned with how we want to feel and who we want to be, because if we don't, this is one of those things that I see entrepreneurs continually struggle with. We find that we, we hit the mark, but we're still not satisfied. Or we check the box and we blow past it. And we still feel like at the end of the day, even despite, you know, quote, achieving so much or checking so many boxes, we don't feel fulfilled. We don't feel joyous. We don't feel happy. And I believe that comes from a place of engineering our goals from the doing space versus the being space. Mm -hmm. Who do I want to be and how do I want to feel and what things make me feel that way? And making yeah. sure that your doing is aligned with your being. Yeah, I like I like that question. It's an interesting way to ask it as well as is how do I want to feel this year? I think that's a really interesting question because often it's like, what do I want to achieve? You know, but to actually sit in what do I want to feel is a, is a really good question um it's not an easy question either and you know not to be um and, and this isn't about gender mm -hmm. it's about masculine versus feminine energy what i'm about to say so it's not about whether you're a boy or a girl um but masculine versus feminine energy when we're harnessing the balance within ourselves regardless of gender masculine energy is our driving pushing doing force and our feminine energy is more often our being force. So it is about calling those things into balance within each of us, independent of gender. Um, and if we tend to have a core energy that is more masculine, sometimes the slowing down from the doing and stepping into the place of being and asking ourselves what some people might call the soft questions about how we want to feel is harder. I mean, I know it was for me. I mean, I, I feel like I've got a very good balance within myself now, but there was a lot of years where for various reasons I was operating from a more masculine energy. So the thinking muscle got very well built for me. The feeling muscle took some time to be cultivated. Mm. And so I do encourage everyone to spend some time creating that balance within yourself and asking the hard questions. And it's not enough to just say, I want to feel happy. Well, what does happiness feel like? Mm. 
And whatever word you come up with, coming back to how important we believe the words are, ask yourself, what does that word feel like and because why? And, and when you find the next word, because why? Get to the heart of why you want to feel that way and what that feeling does for you. And when you have deep clarity around that, getting clear with what things allow you to feel that way is so much easier. And then aligning goals with achieving that feeling becomes even easier still. Mm. I love that. I, I wrote a chapter about the difference between masculine and feminine energy in my latest book, Mark of a Man. And you saying that actually, I really loved how you define that because that's that's really nice. Masculine, very much the essence of doing and feminine, the essence of being. Um, that's really interesting for me. I would have loved to have had that conversation before I'd wrote my own chapter that because that that's a really nice addition. So thank you for for that one as well. Um, I know that you've got an exciting three day event coming up at the end of January. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? I would love to. Um, it's called the Alchemy of Business. And it is really a, the ultimate blend of doing and being. And we start out in the first day really focusing on the being. And, and I give a path to getting in touch with those aspects of self because it's not an easy thing for most of us because we are achievers and doers and we just want to do the thing. Like, just get me to the doing of the thing. And we even don't even get really wrapped up in how we're going to feel at the end of the day. We just are called to do. And I think for ultimate balance and ultimate fulfillment in life, being is super important. So we talk about the being. And then on the second day, we really look at the strategy of how do we bring that to life for you and creating a one page business model. I have a process. I use a pyramid and I talk about what I, the, um, the, I guess the spiritual meaning behind triangles and why it's so important, but I use a pyramid model to help people build a one page business plan because I think simple is important. But again, back with the theme of clarity, you have to know where you're going in order to get there. Mm. And so often I do is to much to all of our surprises. We've all been there, but it's easy to get caught up without a plan and just jump into the doing because a lot of times entrepreneurs are quick starts. And so we have the vision and we take, start taking action towards it, whether it's an organized strategic action or not. So really kind of reining that vision in into a way where people can see what is my, what is my business plan? Where's the biggest version of self and scaling that into something that's very doable, like a phase one, phase two, phase three plan. I look at like a 12 quarter or three year plan. Three years is only 12 quarters mm -hmm. and looking at three years, from that place of quarters makes things much more manageable and bite-sized. I also know that entrepreneurs get easily overwhelmed. And if we are overwhelmed, we are out of action. We don't know where to start, so we don't take action. So that second day is really about getting clarity of action and how, what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. And then the third day is kind of synthesizing all of that. But I do teach an element of sales. Um, and it's not sales from the traditional sense where it's like how to get people into your offer. It starts with the being and then flows to the doing. If you've got this beautiful thing to bring to the world, if you can't talk to people about it or help people get enrolled in themselves first, they can't enroll in what you have to offer. So I think once you have the thing, then I need to make sure we don't have any barriers for you to get the people to take invest in themselves and get their transformation. So I teach people how to do that in their in their own in their own lives and it's not sales is not a business skill it's a life skill we are enrolling people every day in what we want 
We're enrolling our children in eating vegetables. We're enrolling our spouse in our goals. We're enrolling the people who work with us, our coworkers, even if you're not a business owner, every day we're moving people in one direction or another. And I do find it to be a, a, life a lifestyle and a leadership skill. So I do build that in. And it really is a great way to get people off on the right foot for the year with clarity and purpose and action and, and community bringing like-minded thought leading people together in a room, the energy that gets created is really more than I could do on my own. And I'm always so grateful for those who bring their gifts to the table to share with each other and helping us realize that we're not in this alone. It's easy to get in a silo, especially, you know, in COVID times mm -hmm. to um, operate from a place, you know, where we're in isolation and it is a, a way that we can build community and, you know, the rising tide lifts all ships. Mm -hmm. Yep. Action definitely quietens the mind. How do people find out about um, this three-day event and how do people best interact with you, Jennifer? Well, you know, certainly there's always the website, uh, thebalancemaven.com, but I would say from an interaction and finding out about events and things that we're doing, the best place is also always social media. And we're most present on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And there's event links posted on all of those all of the time. Um, the blog is a great way to interact. You get to get a sense of some of the things we've just talked about today. There's a lot of resource there where I, I go deeper into that. But certainly you can always reach out through the website and get me direct. Um, same with social media. You can always reach out, reach out in a message and get me direct. But if you're just dipping your toe in the water, the website's a great place to explore. And social media is the place where we take that exploration and translate it to engagement. Well, thank you, Jennifer. It's been a, an enjoyable uh, time spent with you today. And uh, do you have one final thought that you want to leave with us? Well, thank you, Mark. It has been my pleasure. And I'm, I'm delighted to have, have had the opportunity to connect with you and all of the listeners for Brains. I, you know, I would say my parting thought is um, take the time as a gift to yourself to get clear on really what are your priorities in life and ask yourself the hard questions of have you been living them and accept the inconvenient truths of if you have not without judgment or shame and use it as an opportunity to when we know better do better and if you need to get help or support mentorship is there for a reason and there's no there's no reason to go the hard road alone if there's somebody who's been it ahead of you let's get the learning and wisdom from those who've gone before us and always keep growing Love it. Jennifer, thank you. It's been great. Thank you. Thank you for joining this episode with me, Max Sefton. I hope you've really enjoyed it. Feel free to leave us a positive review on iTunes. And I look forward to welcoming you back to the next episode of the Brains Magazine podcast.